is the 78th episode of Decoding Fox News, and I am your host, Juliet Jeske. Each week, I watch and analyze a whole heck of a lot of Fox News and then break it down. I watch all the Fox News you'd never want to. Let's get into it. Last week, Fox News, a presidential debate, a mugshot, and how the deep state is coming for every American. All eyes tonight on Fulton County, Georgia, where Donald Trump is expected to turn himself in this hour over charges that he tried to overturn the election. The, the most mo important thing we can do is stop this, is to stop this. Because if, if this is not stopped, they will do this forever. Republicans should grind everything on Capitol Hill to a halt. Yeah. I mean, everything. If this is allowed on the federal level, on the state level, gr I'd grind it all to a halt. And there's so much that they can do on the Hill and that they have begun to do, including investigating Fannie Willis, who's clearly coordinating with other Democrats. Right, Kamala people. Harris supporter? And, we're going to get and, to that. And, and by the way, I think prosecutors around the country should begin preparing uh, indictments of, uh, of Joe Biden for every person in their district who dies of fentanyl poison. Every person that is murdered by an illegal alien that Joe Biden intentionally allowed in the country so that they could go and murder somebody, there should be indictments for the president, and, 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 and let's start there. And then if we want to renegotiate this and, and, and settle down a little bit, maybe we can do that. I want everyone. So that clip is from the evening where Donald J. Trump turned himself in at Fulton County Jail they started covering it live, Jesse Water uh, for Ingram Angle into Jesse Waters' prime time, and it honestly wasn't that compelling. The footage wasn't that compelling. Fox News, for whatever reason, tends to flip out far more when he's indicted than when he's arraigned. I don't know why this is, but the emotion tends to be much higher when he's indicted. I think because they don't see it coming, it's more of a surprise. When he's arraigned, they have prior knowledge; they know exactly when it's going to happen, and it tends to be more subdued. Charlie Hurt's statements there about President Biden being criminally indicted for, you know, any number of crimes related to the border crisis is a bit absurd. Uh, I'd love to have a chat with him about George W. Bush then, because <laughs> we're going to talk about criminal indictments of presidents. Well, you know, there's quite a list there that someone could argue. I'm not sure if Charlie Hurt wants to go down that slippery slope. But anyway, last week, Fox News hosted the first presidential debate, followed by a day of coverage dedicated to former President Donald J. Trump's appearance at the Fulton County Jail to post bail and be fingerprinted and photographed related to the criminal charges he faces in Georgia. Surprisingly, the network dedicated more airtime to discussions about the presidential debate than it did to Trump's arrest. Even Fox News seemed exhausted by the never-ending legal problems the former president faces. The network also seemed to subtly pivot away from the MAGA leader, while Trump also positioned himself in opposition to the network by appearing on Tucker Carlson's account on X, formerly known as Twitter, in a time slot that directly competed with the debate. I have no doubt that Fox News will realign with Trump if he gets the Republican nomination for president, but for now, it appears that Fox News could be hedging its bets a bit. The network also managed to make a viral bluegrass song into a three-week story while continuing to insinuate that the president and his son were masterminds of a criminal enterprise despite the lack of any real credible evidence linking them to one. As usual, anyone watching Fox News exclusively would have no idea that the climate disasters were raging all over the planet or that civil conflicts continue unabated in Africa 
and the Middle East. So last week I got my usual schedule of Fox and Friends The Five and it was on the Ingram angle. And I also picked up on Thursday night, Jesse Waters Primetime and Hannity, in addition to picking up the entire GOP primary debate on Wednesday night. So that was a total of 19 hours while I was in Philadelphia in a hotel room with one computer, which makes this much, much harder to do. I only mention that because this podcast is coming out fairly late for me and I'm just explaining myself a little bit. It was very difficult. I debated even doing this, but I thought it was important since last week so much happened. So our first series of clips is after Trump, the government will come for you. Fox hosts and guests promoted the idea that Trump's criminal indictment and subsequent arrest were signs that the government would eventually round up and imprison any dissenter. So I can't make this up. It starts on Hannity. Clay Travis, who again is sort of like a sports guy, he echoed the sentiment. And then we go on to Jesse Waters' primetime and finally the Ingram angle. I think it depends on how Trump responds. What I want to hear from Trump is, this isn't just about me. If they, and he says it sometimes, but this is a direct attack on America itself. Because for 240 years, we haven't put the chief political adversary of the, of the party in power in prison. What they're trying to do is unprecedented, unjustifiable. Trump is All right. the hero here. Clay Travis, Tommy Lahren. Well, I, I think they better. You know, because there, there's a two-pronged effect here. Obviously, they want to prevent Donald Trump from ever becoming president again. That's been pretty clear for a long time now. But this is also about a warning to anyone who dares step outside and question anything that the government tells us to do, tells us to think. Uh, this is about a warning to the rest of the country. Don't you step out of line, because today it's Donald Trump. Tomorrow it could be you. So Trump I is the most egregious example of the politicization of our prosecutorial system on the state and federal level, you know, go after your political opponents. But as we were talking about earlier, this is happening in colleges and universities, high schools, junior high schools, in the workplace, in the military, where people who see themselves as traditionalist or maybe Christian or maybe they're Muslim, but they're more traditionalist in their outlook, they feel like they're targets. Like they can't speak, they probably won't get a promotion, and everyone's you know walking on eggshells because heaven forbid the establishment bears down on them and decides to take them out, take them off the playing field or out of the workplace or out of the military. So the voices we heard there were Clay Travis, uh, Laura Trump, the daughter-in-law to Donald J. Trump, and of course Laura Ingram. And again, I've discussed this before. This theme has come up before during the indictment. It's basically come up for months. But this idea, completely absurd as it is, that somehow if they can come for Trump, they will come for you. Now, your average American citizen is not hoarding highly classified top secret documents. They're not uh, trying to overturn an election. They're, uh, you know, not pulling crazy schemes where they're paying off porn stars to cover up uh, affairs right before an election. They're not doing any of that. So the chances of them like, quote unquote, coming for you are slim to none. Also, the idea that he's just being rounded up and he's not getting due process, which is also absurd because obviously he's getting due process. He's going to have plenty of lawyers. He's going to duke this out all over the country. Oh, and then, of course, January 6th. How could I leave out January 6th? Most American citizens were not sitting in the White House as the Capitol was being sacked by an angry mob of supporters for them. No, we're, that's not what we're doing. 
but yes, this idea that everybody's persecuted, you know, on the right, and that if you have any dissent whatsoever, you'll be persecuted. They're sending that message because it whips up the base. It's as if I've talked about before with this idea of, I'm doing this for you. This is bigger than me. This is a movement. It's the same mentality. Only this time now is because Trump broke the law in that he, you know, had highly classified documents that refu refused to return. He basically whipped up a violent mob to destroy our, our capital and possibly overturn an election. He tried to overturn an election in Georgia and he paid off a porn star to cover up an affair during an election cycle. All of these things, you know, various crimes, various, you know, things that he did. Your average American's never gonna come close to, but boom, there you go. According to Fox, no, it's not just about this billionaire who's done all these things. It's about you, the person who's watching Fox in their trailer in Alabama, hoping to win the lottery one day. They're saying it's about you, too. It's it's nutty. doesn't make any sense. But again, it's a way to make this grander, bigger. It's cultish, the whole nine yards. So moving on from there. Um, oh, I should give a shout out to my sponsor now that I'm 10, 10 and a half minutes in. And that sponsor would be my readers of this newsletter and listeners to my podcast. I am a 100% uh, reader, listener-supported uh, media project. And if you would like to become a supporter of Decoding Fox News, you can go to my Substack at Decoding Fox News. You can go to my Patreon at Decoding Fox News. I try to give you guys some extra stuff every now and then. I kind of run out of time every week to give you more. I'm trying to work on that. Um, but there's like a whole series I'm doing on Hunter Biden for subscribers to the Substack. And then I also include freebie, like weird videos and stuff for my Patreon supporters. If you're unable to help out financially, that's totally fine. I completely understand. Uh, and But you want to support uh, Decoding Fox News, you can share the newsletter, share the podcast with friends, uh, give me a good review on any number of platforms where my podcast airs. That's also incredibly helpful. Okay, so moving on, we have a favorite section. I'm going to try to pull back really far from the mic because I'm very loud when I do this, but it's a clutch your pearls. Clutch your pearls. Oh, give me some of the smelling salt as I clutch my pearls. I clutch my pearls and I fall over. I fall over because I can't handle it. And this is Jesse Waters, which is very perfect for a clutch your pearls moment, getting very upset by the fact that his co-worker, Jessica Tarloff, might be a little happy that Trump is getting arrested. I think tonight when he gets mugshotted, I, I didn't like the way it looked with Rudy. And I yeah. thought it was going to be a big viral moment. And you said something that really bothered me the other day. And I've been thinking about it. I, I, yeah. It's been on my mind. You're going to tell. I said something options. to you and you go, oh, yeah, well, Trump's had been indicted and is facing life in prison. And you made it seem like that was a good thing. OK, so. And that's actually a disgraceful thing. And it's a sad thing. And the fact that you're using that as a talking point is it's beneath you, Jessica. Okay, so a couple of points of clarification. I never said Trump was facing life in prison. This was a conversation in the break. I don't know if we're going to start <laughs> amplifying what happens in the break, but that's going to be worse for you than me. Yeah. And <laughs> on the air too. No, I didn't. He's facing indictments in four different jurisdictions. And that's what I said, and it's you not. You said about... it with a smile. No, that's just my disposition. That's just our face. I, it is just my face. That's but, like... 
So I added a brief reminder. This clip is from CNN. Um, this is one of hundreds, literally hundreds of examples of a certain thing that was chanted at Trump rallies about the former Secretary of State. I'm just, I'm just saying, if you're going to get all upset, maybe have some self-awareness. What, what's going on here? These are hardworking, great, great Americans. These are unbelievable people who have not been treated fairly. Hillary called them deplorable. They're not deplorable. So if you're new to the podcast, a clutch your pearls moment doesn't always happen every week is basically when Fox gets deeply, horribly offended about something that they themselves do all the time or had no problem with Trump doing. I think it's fair to say that having hundreds of, in, in some cases, thousands of people scream, lock her up about your political opponent would be, you know, I don't know, being happy, excited about the notion that Hillary Clinton would be imprisoned. Um, of course, now Donald J. Trump's own Department of Justice looked into her email scandal and still couldn't charge her with anything. Even his own Department of Justice could not charge her with anything. So, ugh. They still scream it at rallies, apparently. But of course, Jessica Tarloff can't even remotely smirk at the idea that Trump was arrested. And believe it or not, Jesse Waters, there's thousands, millions of Americans, really, who do view Donald J. Trump as a criminal. We just... <laughs> We just think, well, you know, even January 6th alone, that alone upsets a lot of people. But if you want to kid yourself that everybody's MAGA and everybody's deeply offended. Okay, so this next section is very bizarre. Somebody at Fox should just be like, hey, I'm raising my hand here. Hi. What you're saying is horribly, horribly racist. This is just, this is really racist. I know you don't think it, uh, but this is racist really 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 racist i'm just gonna play this clip and it starts with the ingram angle i'm gonna break it up a little bit to show you how insane this is when trump was in town about to be processed watch this listen that might have been him Laura, this was like a parade going by. I mean, look, Trump got 12% of the black vote last time, which was a 4% improvement. There are polls showing he could get 18 to 20% the of the black over, vote. If that's the case. If no, that the happens, it's over. all over. No, it's totally yep. over. Now, oh, so much to unpack just with that short part of the clip. Now, the first section was footage from Georgia of people on the sidelines kind of watching the motorcade go by. And Raymond, that was Raymond Herrera's voice. He's like the cultural reporter on the Ingram angle. And he's, you know, assuming that people screaming, that might be Trump, that might be Trump, means there are huge fans and would vote for him. That's a leap. <laughs> I think any celebrity, anybody that well-known would excite people, ooh, is that him? Want to see him in the motorcade. Uh, I don't think that is... Those, it was like two people that you could see on camera. Their reaction is indicative of anything. And then we leap to if 
he improves his margin among black voters, that's it. It's over. And I'm like, wait, okay, so have we forgotten that the Electoral College exists? Because it does. Because it really depends where those votes come from. We all know this. Pennsylvania, Ohio, Florida, any number of very large states that have a lot of electoral votes could swing either way. Florida, probably not so anymore. But Ohio, Pennsylvania, it's still, who knows? Um, Pennsylvania was very edgy. Wisconsin, we could just go through the states that he narrowly won. Um, and the black vote may or may not have much of a bearing on any of those states. It may, may not, but it's not about the popular vote. We all know this. It's about the Electoral College. Now, regardless, it's a huge leap to assume that because some people were looking at a motorcade going, hey, is that Trump? Is that Trump? Maybe that's Trump. No, that's him. Maybe that's him. Means that Trump now has the black vote, which is basically what they just did. But it gets worse. It gets worse. So in this next little clip, it's from the same show, same program. Just a little bit later in the episode, Laura Ingram invites on a small panel. Part of that panel includes Representative Byron Donalds of Florida. Donalds is a black man. She asks him a very pointed question. He sort of doesn't answer it. She says some very specific language, and I'm going to decode this as best I can. It's This was kind of fun to do because it was like deciphering a message. Here you go. I specifically wanted to say the mugshot itself mirrors the mood of the public because I'm sensing it across ethnicities, uh, racial lines, uh, and African-American men, uh, after telling them for years that the justice system is corrupt and crooked, they're looking at this, you know, in some of the videos we've seen today and featured, they're looking at some of this going, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> now they're targeting him. Do you see that or am I overstating it? So notice the phrasing Ingram uses there. She says, after telling black men for years that the justice system is corrupt and crooked. She's saying, she's not acknowledging that the criminal justice system is racist. She's saying that the Democratic Party tells black men that the system is racist and corrupt. Very interesting wording, very specific, not accidental. And then Donald's responded. And the way he responds is not exactly how I think Ingram wanted him to respond. And this is also very subtle. No, you're absolutely right, Laura. That, Laura, that's what's happening. And look, Americans are pissed off. You're talking about a government, a Department of Justice, that ignores the crimes of the president's son and, frankly, the president himself. So he agrees with her, but notice he doesn't use the term black Americans. He says, no, you're absolutely right, uh, Laura. That's what's happening. And look, Americans are pissed off. You are talking about a government at Department of Justice that ignores the crimes of the president's son and, frankly, the president himself. Now, earlier on the day, on the five, Jesse Waters basically says the same exact thing. And I've pointed this out multiple times before, and it will just keep happening. But I, I suspect that there's some coordination here and that all of these people on Fox are coming up with the exact same idea at the exact same time. It seems a little suspicious that they would. The Democrats, you can tell, are nervous because the media understands how powerful imagery is. 
and it's their business. And they have handed this guy a huge political gift, which will last until eternity. It's a cultural phenomenon now. He's banking off of it. And everyone's talking about it. Black Americans online, some of them are saying, I'm voting for Trump now. Because they, too, have sometimes felt they've been unfairly targeted by the criminal justice system. And you know, in this country, nationally, one or two percent of the black votes swinging to the Republicans, that's the election right there. Mm -hmm. So the Democrats have overplayed their hand. They've done something that no one else has ever been able to do, and that's make Trump a sympathetic character. So, yes, they're making this assumption again that Donald J. Trump's arrest is, you know, somehow tipped the scales on the black male vote without offering any proof and leaving out the fact, I'm just going to point this out, which is another weird layer to this, that somehow if he's um, the black male felons, you know, or somehow, oh, we like Trump now because he's been arrested like we have, which is what? It's bizarre. Uh, felons usually can't vote, in, depending on what state they're in. Some states make it easier. Once you've served your time, you can vote. Some states don't make it easy, and you've got to go through all these hoops, even if you've served your time and able to vote. So ridiculous. But anyway, and then I also want to point out that by just saying, oh, if we just move that black vote a few percentage points, we've got this. That's not true because, unfortunately, in the United States, we don't elect presidents via the popular vote. We elect them via the Electoral College, a ridiculous, stupid, archaic system, which we can't get rid of because it's written in the Constitution and would be incredibly difficult to finally just wipe out. It's totally stupid. I don't, I don't think most voters care for the Electoral College. It's an incredibly frustrating system. Uh, however... Since most of the black vote is already concentrated in blue states, it doesn't really matter if the state goes blue, the state goes blue. And if you lose a couple percentage points here or there, it's not going to be the end of the world. Not, I, of course, I'm not saying that anybody should take the black vote for granted. Of course, they should not. Um, but it, it, what they're saying is a very, very deceptive and not very accurate. Because the scary thing is is if you could just get enough voters in a handful of swing states to go one way or the other, that's what's going to cause the problem. Not uh, you know, solidly blue state like Illinois is going to remain blue, even if the black vote swung a couple of percentage points, which I doubt it will. I, I think this is complete fiction on their part. And I also think it's incredibly insulting to black people to make this assumption that, oh, because he was arrested, therefore now he's sympathetic. What? He's also a billionaire and a jerk and a racist. I'm saying that. I don't care. I don't have an editor. He's a racist. And I think most black people can see that. But we're going to move on to the worst comment on the same idea, the same thread. I didn't catch this. This went viral because, I, again, I was at a seminar. This went viral on Twitter. I saw it and just went, oh, my goodness, this is crazy. And this is Raymond Herrero again, same theme from the Ingram Angle. Well, well, Laura, look, I want to add to what you touched on early in the show. That mugshot situates Trump in a cultural context that I'm not sure his enemies may have anticipated. Now he joins Frank Sinatra. He joins Elvis Presley. He mm. joins Johnny Cash and Tupac Shakur. And he didn't only know some of these people, meaning... He is now seen by non-political folks as a rebel, an outsider with swagger. And as one black lady I spoke with earlier today here in New Orleans said, Trump's a gangster. And that means he has cred. 
So yes, multiple accounts posted that one on Twitter. I saw it go viral from Philly. I shook my head going, you've got to be kidding me. And if you notice in that clip, Arrero says, he mentions three white um, celebrities, then goes into Tupac, then makes the term gangsta and says street cred. How cringeworthy is that? That's pretty awful. Now, when Fox wasn't insulting black voters, a guest on Fox decided to go after the suburban female vote, because that's smart, because what influence do they have? None. Nobody ever talks about that voting demographic. That is massive sarcasm on my part. Massive sarcasm on my part. He refers to them as Chardonnay drinkers or Chardonnay sippers. But here we go. This is Ned Ryan, the CEO of American Majority, a conservative activist organization, uh, insulting suburban women voters. Uh, my concern is, first of all, I think this is going to galvanize the base. Jesse, do. I don't want to say the prime. I don't think the primary is over. I never want to say that, but I think it's going to galvanize them. I do think Trump will be the nominee, and I think this moves the ball down the court for him. My concern, if I'm being completely honest, is that the low-information Chardonnay sippers in the suburbs next fall are going to think, well, he must have been guilty of something. Surely this is legitimate, uh, and, and that might damage him in the suburbs yeah, because a in this bit. country, you know, people don't understand innocence until proven guilty. Once someone's arrested or you get mugshotted, they're guilty in that's people's right. eyes. Sadly, that's, right. that's the place that's we the, are that's the right point. now. So Ned Ryan there has a brilliant plan to win over suburban women by insulting them and calling them stupid. Bravo, you win the prize. That's amazing. It kind of reminded me of some of the campaign tactics used in 2016 and 2020 by various campaigns, where if a supporter may be with the same party but not crazy about a candidate, some people thought it was wise to insult and berate them and intimidate them, and it didn't work. I know. It didn't, it didn't work. I know. I could have told him that. I was like, hey, negatively going after somebody to try to get them to win over to your candidate doesn't work. Doesn't work. It doesn't work. You're not listening. That doesn't work. Never works. Never. Why are you doing that? Anyway, but, you know, I probably shouldn't have pointed this out because I think Ned Ryan is onto something. So, yes, Ned Ryan, you're right. Tell suburban women they're stupid. That's going to, that, that will work. They'll be so ashamed. They'll be like, ah. I'm so ashamed that this man, this white man, um, who probably makes a lot more money than me, is on Fox News telling me I'm dumb. You're right. I got to vote for Trump now. You're right, because I'm so dumb. So I'm kind of uh, a little slow on time right now. I'm a little tired. I'm going to just go through a series of clips where it is clear that people on the network are starting to openly criticize Donald J. Trump. And I have a few examples. This might be because he dissed their um, debate and then he went and did that event with Tucker Carlson at the same time, which was a direct like F you to, to Fox. I'm not sure, but there's more and more evidence. And I don't doubt for a moment that if when if or when Trump becomes the nominee for the Republican Party, that Fox will be all in again, as they always do. But right now there seems to be some tension. And here's some examples. This is from the Ingram Angle and Fox and Friends. Oh, I, you know, the good thing about uh, last night, without Donald Trump there, we could actually hear all of those eight candidates talk about policies for the most part. And we saw a lot of policy difference. And so people can make up their mind. Nikki Haley, who we did a kind of an informal uh, survey here in the studio, and I talked to some of my friends last night, and they said that they felt that she ran away with the show. Now we're going to go back to Ned Ryan on the Ingram Angle. What is your plan to win? 
I want to hear people's plans tonight. How do you plan on going into these battleground states and implementing an absentee ballot chase program, a voter registration program, actually having your legal team set up so you can actually win what are going to be closely contested states? And if you cannot lay out a plan on how you're going to devolve the administrative state, how you're going to actually win the battleground but, states in 2024. But Ned, Ned, I agree with you. Has Trump done that? Uh, there, there are definitely plans in place. He's made it very clear. He him. understands. Well, he made, he's made it very clear that he understands now what the administrative state is, has done and what the issue is. And I think he's made it very clear that day Ned, one, Ned, the fight against the devolving administrative the administrative state, state against, to run the other wild. Thing too, really quick. All right, Pete, he fought Pete, against early voting. How do we, All right, let's go to Pete. Georgia. Let's go ahead, Pete. So that second voice that you hear is Pete Snyder. He is a surrogate for the DeSantis campaign. And the audio is not so great there. That's the original audio. There's not much I could do to fix it, where he's just sort of yelling over them. They're both talking to Ingram via Zoom on a split screen. And he's just basically like, Ned Ryan, shut up. You're saying is nonsense. And Ingram's just like, yeah, she totally agrees with Pete Snyder on that one. So this next clip is Steve Ducey just reading off the criminal charges that Trump faces. And they don't do this on Fox. This is not done. It's a big debate. Um, one other thing I saw this morning, I think it was on Drudge, that apparently Mar-a-Lago has been transferred uh, to Don Jr., uh, out of uh, Donald Trump's uh, account, or however that works. He put Mar-a-Lago in his son's name? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So anyway, what we heard uh, Donald Trump say before he got onto the jet, to go back to Newark, he said, you know, I've got every right to challenge the election. And the, obviously, to the point uh, that she is charging with uh, 13 felonies, the DA differs with that, says you did more than challenge it. He is accused of impersonating a public official, forgery, filing false documents, influencing witnesses, conspiracy to defraud the states, and acts involving theft. So that's what she's got to prove. So for all of the networks clamoring that this is a you know, free speech case and it's just about speech and that he just contested the election, oops, nope. Uh, Ducey just included a bunch of charges that have nothing to do with speech. So yikes. Um, I'm Again, Fox and Friends is sort of the oracle here. They're the ones that keep doing this. Uh, the one show that keeps doing this the most consistently of just like openly dissing Trump. And that's interesting because it used to be one of Trump's favorite shows. He would call in live. They would talk to him live. They would address him as if he was watching the show. They'd be like, right, Mr. President? No kidding. No joke. So is he still watching the network? Probably. I would guess that he is. So next up, of course, if we're talking about all these legal troubles with Trump. What does that lead to? Well, Hunter Biden, of course. And uh, this is just a great clip of Hunter Biden. Jesse Waters thinks he had a huge scoop here. And I'm sure he believes that he does, but he does not. We have an update in our investigation into Hunter Biden using Air Force Two as his own private jet business class, of course. Primetime can now exclusively report that Hunter Biden used Air Force Two to get to at least 15 different countries. Joe Biden can no longer deny he was in business with his son. He was literally his co-pilot. But newly unearthed photos from the laptop, Secret Service records, and videos show Hunter traveled a lot more than we knew. Here's Hunter in Croatia with his family back in 2015, mixing Joe Biden's business with pleasure, obviously. And here's Hunter sitting on Air Force Two in Kosovo. Wonder what was wrong. Hunter was in Kosovo with his family to visit a road dedicated to his late brother, Bo. Primetime's investigating Hunter's meetings while in Kosovo. 
But you never know where Hunter ends up. We told you earlier this week Hunter used Air Force Two to meet up with business partners. He sent emails from the plane. Hunter went directly to Serbia on Air Force Two and even invited his Serbian client in Biden's motorcade. Quote, I'll make sure we can spend time together and maybe you could come with me in the motorcade to the airport if you have time. And tonight we have even more video of Hunter in foreign countries. Who's that in the blue ball cap just a few steps behind the vice president? Well, that's Hunter, 13 years ago in Canada. He followed his dad out of the motorcade, always keeping a little distance, trying to stay clear of the cameras, but we got him. Earlier this week, we showed you how Hunter would slink into the back seat of Joe's limo after getting off Air Force Two. Here he is in Japan. And then there he is in Germany. I think he's skulking behind Jill. Yep, that's Hunter. We also found him in Italy, shaking hands with the prime minister. Hunter spent a lot of time in Italy. It's where he met Burisma's owner. The only time we saw Hunter actually walk off Air Force Two with the VP was in China. There he is. So Jesse Waters is presenting this as, this as if it's a grand scoop of secret information he uncovered. None of this is secret. Um, the footage that he's showing where he's like, oh, look, there's Hunter Biden is news footage. Anybody could look this up. I'm pretty sure that the log for Air Force Two is accessible. Like, it's not a secret. It's not classified information. Much like the White House uh, visitor log is not classified information. You can look that up. Uh, so this is not a secret that he's uncovering. A lot of these trips were already well known, especially the one to China is very well documented. Uh, Fox itself has documented that one multiple times. They've talked about it multiple times. Now, I just want to point out that the children of a president uh, flying on Air Force One or Air Force Two, in the case of the vice president, is not that big of a deal. So, of course, Waters didn't mention that Ivanka Trump and her husband, Jared Kushner, both worked in the actual White House in direct violation of anti-nepotism laws. And according to Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington, it's estimated that Ivanka and Jared made $640 million from various deals while they worked for the Trump administration. While Trump was attending the Q20 summit, he had Ivanka sit in for him as he privately met with the leader of Indonesia, and that caused quite a stir. Apparently that's never happened before. The Chinese government also granted 41 trademarks to companies linked to Ivanka by September of 2020 during his administration. Now, maybe more than that, the source that I found ended, was published in September of 2020 and it had 41 trademarks listed. 41, they were all like fast-tracked because it was Ivanka. Kushner also received a large bailout from the Qatar government to save a failing real estate deal while he was working in the White House. Kushner also faced obstacles getting a top secret security clearance based on concerns about potential foreign influence on him. And about six months after Trump left the White House, Kushner received $2 billion with a B, B, billion, from the Saudi royal family for his fledgling investment firm. And I say fledgling because he does not have a history of putting investment firms together. He's a real estate person. So it was very, very controversial. And the Saudi royal family is the like largest investor in this thing. So finally, the last clip is uh, this was very big at the beginning of the week before the debate, before the um, arrest or whatever booking of Donald J. Trump 
was concerned. And it's country song. They're still clinging to this. They still had multiple segments on multiple shows about this bluegrass hit. Um, and this is a funny clip. I found it funny. Fox sent Griff Jenkins, who's the host of like Fox and Friends first, and sometimes hosts, uh, he substitutes for Fox and Friends. They sent him to this music festival in North Carolina to interview the singer-songwriter Oliver Anthony. And this is what Oliver Anthony had to say. So are you surprised that, it, that the public has reacted the way they did? The, do you realize the crowd is, is touched by your music? Yeah, well, I, it resonates to suffering in the world right now. Like even in our own country, we've had we've had years of people feeling depressed and hopeless. And every time you look at the TV or get online, everything's negative. And so I think people are just desperate for something positive again. You know, like uh, there's been a, there's been a lot of people die for us to be able to stand on this dirt and do what it is we do every day. And uh, it, we should be excited for it. So when I heard that line about every time you turn on the TV or go online, it's negative, I just thought to myself, well, you must be a consumer of Fox News <laughs> because the network goes out of its way to be a constant stream of paranoia, fear, and hate. And they, they do, and because they know it works. So, uh, oh, yikes. So the next section is stories that Fox News ignored. Every week, I compare the hours I watched on Fox News to five hours of the PBS NewsHour. The following lists are stories that PBS covered that Fox News did not. A new subsection in this section is now simply called climate disasters because there tends to be a lot of them. Here we go. Wildfires in Washington state cost the lives of two people while destroying hundreds of structures. A week after residents fled their homes in Yellowknife, Canada, firefighters are still battling wildfires in the area. The bodies of 18 migrants were recovered in the Dadia forest in the north east region of Greece as wildfires have ravaged the country. The wildfires in Greece are the largest the European Union has ever faced. Over 1,200 people have evacuated parts of Turkey as wildfires from Greece have spread across the border. The wildfire in Spain's popular tourist island of Tenerife was started intentionally, according to investigators. Tropical storm Franklin caused flooding in Dominican Republic and Haiti. A UN report found that 4 million children in Pakistan still need aid after massive flooding covered one-third of the country last year. New developments in the war in Ukraine. PBS produced an extended segment on the Russian Volunteer Corps, a small militia made up of dissident Russians with far-right political views, including white nationalism, that are currently fighting for Ukraine. The Russian Defense Ministry said they shot down 73 Ukrainian drones in 24 hours, mostly over Crimea. Saudi Arabian border guards are accused of killing Ethiopian refugees in mass using small arms and explosives. The refugees were attempting to cross into Saudi Arabia from the Yemen border. The claims were made in a detailed investigation by Human Rights Watch. The United States and South Korea resumed annual large-scale military drills. A congressional representative and anti-corruption advocate, Bernardo Arreiro won Guatemala's presidential runoff election in a landslide. His conservative challenger, Sandra Torres, has yet to concede, and her party, the National Unity of Peace, UNE, filed a complaint alleging inconsistencies in the vote tally. Luisa Gonzalez and Daniel Noba will face off in a presidential runoff election in Ecuador. In several states across the country, new laws could be 
could make it easier to hospitalize or detain the severely mentally ill against their will or through voluntary court-ordered treatment. Japan started the release of treated water from the tsunami-damaged Fukushima nuclear power plant into the ocean. Although regulators and experts claim the water is safe, protests against the decision have erupted in Japan and neighboring countries. The plan allows for the release of treated water for the next 35 years. PBS produced a segment on the pros and cons of medication used to treat obesity. Some medications may also reduce the risk of heart attacks in some patients. According to a recent UN report on Afghanistan, the Taliban leadership continues to torture and murder former government officials. In Sudan, at least 500 children have died from hunger since warring factions started fighting in April. The U.S. Department of Justice has argued in federal court that the floating barrier in the Rio Grande River near Eagle Pass, Texas, was installed without federal authorization. 16 survivors of the racially motivated mass shooting in Buffalo, New York, filed a lawsuit against YouTube, Reddit, body armor, and gun manufacturers, along with the parents of the killer. Senator Tommy Tuberville continues to hold up military promotions and in his attempt to change the Pentagon's policy on abortion. The all-male South Carolina Supreme Court reinstated a ban on abortion after six weeks. A railway bridge still under construction in India collapsed, killing 26 workers. India became the fourth country to successfully land a spacecraft on the moon. The mission does not include a human crew, but a robotic rover is collecting samples and beaming back images to Earth. The Biden administration launched SAVE, a new income-driven student loan payment plan. The new plan could end up costing more than the original debt forgiveness program, but should face fewer legal challenges. PBS produced an extended segment about the aftermath of earthquakes in Syria. Survivors of the earthquake have received little aid and support. Bashir al-Assad has essentially cut the rebel-controlled area off from international support. Maui County filed a lawsuit against Hawaiian Electric for negligence leading up to the wildfires. Fox News dedicated quite a bit of airtime to the aftermath of the fires, but did not include this story. The network has used the wildfires as a means to criticize President Biden. BRICS, that's B-R-I-C-S, Block of Developing Countries, added Saudi Arabia, Iran, Ethiopia, Egypt, Argentina, and the United Arab Emirates. BRICS countries currently represent more than one-fourth of the world's GDP. That's a group of developing nations. PBS produced a segment about what experts are doing to tackle the alarmingly high black maternal death rate in the United States. As access to abortion is cut off in some parts of the country, the maternal death rate is expected to increase. The United States has the highest rate of maternal deaths in the industrialized world. Maternal death means a pregnant person, pregnant woman. Tennessee lawmakers opened a special session focused on public safety in reaction to the mass shooting at the Covenant School in March, where three children and three staff members were murdered. A judge in Missouri upheld the ban on gender-affirming care for minors. In Texas, a ban on gender-affirming care for minors was temporarily paused after a lawsuit was filed by doctors and parents of trans children. The attorney general of the state filed an appeal with the Supreme Court of Texas, which ruled that the ban can start on September 1st. 
Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell said at the Jackson Hole Economic Symposium that the Federal Reserve will most likely raise interest rates again to fight inflation. Officials with the Spanish Football Association asked suspended President Luis Rubales to resign after he kissed a player without consent at the Women's World Cup. Rubales remains defiant and refuses to resign or even take responsibility for his actions. And those were all the stories. And again, I'm going to, because it's just become so prevalent, include a separate section for climate disasters. Uh, there used to be one or two. There's now consistently several every single week, and I feel like they need to be grouped together. So by the numbers, the top five topics on Fox of the shows that I covered last week were the GOP Fox debate, 24%. Trump charges and arrests in Georgia, 22%. Biden bashing, that's just general bashing of President Biden, 8%. Hunter Biden, also 8%. And the country song, Richmond, North of Richmond, got 4%. It was very heavily pushed at the beginning of the week. Now, on PBS, things were quite different last week. Um, for the top five topics, we go with 11% for the GOP Republican debate. 8% for the Ukraine war. They had a long extended segment with just the ambassador from Ukraine where they talked to her at length, in addition to the segment about the um, the right-wing Russians who flipped sides. It's a very problematic group. 8% um, for artist profile, which is a standard regular segment on, Fox, on PBS. And then they had 7% was dedicated to the aftermath of, of the Hawaiian wildfires. And 5% was dedicated to extreme weather events, of which there were many. Um, notice what's not in the top five for PBS. That would be the Trump arraignment, or if you want to call it the Trump arrest or turning himself in, whatever. I'm, I'm not even sure if arraignment is the proper term there. But uh, Trump basically going to Fulton County and turning himself in, being photographed, the mugshot, the whole nine yards. PBS did not even consider that a major enough story to put it in the top five. It was in the top 10. I triple checked that. I went back and looked through the whole spreadsheet to see if I'd named it something goofy. Sometimes oh, the name will be slightly off. And I realize that I have two categories that are really one category and I fix it and redo it. So I went through, checked again, checked again, checked again. It was not in the top five. Um, it just wasn't, they talked about it, but it was the GOP Republican debate was discussed far more. And right before we get to the end, we had a lot to cover in this one. So I didn't want to waste too much time with a goofy voice. But I'm going to throw one out there here at the end because I haven't done one for the entire uh, show, really. And that goofy voice would be my new favorite to do, which is a man. They're harder for me to do. But this guy's voice is so distinctive, I can do it. And that everybody says his name wrong. Apparently, it's pronounced Vivek like cake. Ramaswamy. Ramaswamy. There's an H sound in there that you can't see in the spelling. And that's Vivek Ramaswamy, who I think is pushing his voice down lower and sounding kind of like a manufactured voice, kind of in many ways, like like the male Carrie Lake. You're fake news and you're a liar. Wouldn't it be fun to see those two go at it? You know, just in a fight, just in a war of words, because she'd just be going, you're a liar, shut up. You're a liar, how dare you? How dare you even speak to me? I'm Carrie Lake. I'm going to be the next something. Probably not vice president because I'm too crazy. I'm too much of a live wire. No one in the right mind would say, you're my VP and you're fake news. Maybe I'll be a senator because Kristen Semina is too crazy to 
alienate everybody and I'll just weasel my way in there. Maybe Vivek Ramaswamy will, Vivek, sorry, Vivek Ramaswamy. Okay, I'm just, I'm tired. It's been a long week. Um, so our last section are the words used on Fox News. Also rather illuminating. So top of the charts were Trump at 451, Biden 337. The word debate, 225, Hunter. 115, China, Chinese, 110. DeSantis moved way up for 96 mentions. Mugshot, 92. Crime, 77. Haley, as in Nikki Haley, 75. Ramaswamy, 67. Border, 60. Polls, 33. Obama, because why not? Let's talk about him. 32. Hillary Clinton, 21. Inflation, only 12. Communist, Marxist, socialist, that came up quite a bit. It was eight. Bill Clinton, three, because again, let's talk about Bill Clinton. And AOC, almost always, just one mention, but she still made the list. So that's the end of the podcast. I'm exhausted. I'm going to go back and clean that up, turn down some of the parts where I'm screaming uh, or not. Very, very tired. I don't know how I even finished this, considering my schedule last week, but I did. And if you'd like to become a supporter of Decoding Fox News, you can go to my uh, Substack at Decoding Fox News. You can go to my Patreon for Decoding Fox News. There's a little dollar sign next to my name on Twitter. You can click that. You could just share this podcast with your friends. You can share my newsletter with a friend and say, hey, check this out. This lady makes fun of Fox News. She breaks it down. She watches it, you know, and then we don't have to watch it. That kind of thing. Um, I'm exhausted. Thank you so much for listening. Odin and Thor, who I'm now with again. Also send their love. And I'll see you at the next podcast. 